Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Colossians. The New Testament book of Colossians and Colossians and chapter number one. The book of Colossians and chapter number one. We're starting this series of the book of Colossians already into it about five messages, giving an introduction, giving an understanding. And this has become a very important epistle. Remember that the apostle Paul never started the church of Colossae. It was started because of the Bible Institute that Paul had done out through the church of Ephesus. And as this church had been started, you have the pastor Epaphras who was running it and working it. Paul is currently in prison and jail. And yet Epaphras came because he was concerned that during this time there was a cult beginning to be formed inside of the city of Colossae. This cult was going to be in dangerous grounds to try to draw some of the church people away from the truth and bring it to the false doctrine of the church, of the cult. Now this letter is written with a purpose of trying to reinforce the people of the church so that way they would not fall and be deceived by the lies of a cult, by the lies of false religion. By the way, the book of Colossians is important to us today that we have to make sure people are nailed down in Bible truth, nailed down with what the Bible says so they cannot be swayed with every wind of doctrine, with every false idea, false religion, false cult that is out there. And yet we notice that today's modern day Christianity is so vulnerable to false ideas. So the book of Colossians is going to give us wisdom of how we can protect us as a local church to be nailed down deep, to be safe and secured, anchored to the rock and not be blown around with some new idea or some false cult purposely trying to prey on God's people. So with that in mind, look with me in the book of Colossians chapter number one. The book of Colossians chapter one, and notice with me in verse one. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringing forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew of the grace of God in truth. As ye have also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you 
and to desire that ye may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and in increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the book of Colossians chapter number one. The book of Colossians chapter one, and notice with me a phrase that we find in the book of Colossians chapter one and verse nine. Notice the phrase, desire that ye may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. And with the Lord's help, we want to see what the Apostle Paul had been praying for the church of Colossae concerning the will of God and how it applies to us that we too desire that ye be filled with the knowledge of his will. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're asking that you would open up the Bible in a special way, that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us discernment, and that we too can have this knowledge that you have a good, perfect, and acceptable will for every person in here. That there is something you have created us to do. There is something you have saved us to do. That there is a purpose in our life. You want us to accomplish what you've given in our life. And I'm thankful that we can have purpose. Lord, I'm asking that this would help, help someone today who may be lost in purpose. They may not know why do they exist. That this would help them to be able to find exactly what it is that you desire for them in their lives. That they can have fulfilled purpose. Lord, Fill me with your spirit that you can get your own work accomplished. Put me out of the way that you can be seen high, holy, and lifted up. And that by the time we walk out of here, we'd all be saying, wow, what a God, what a Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is interesting to note how the Apostle Paul prayed for people. We know that the Apostle Paul has many of his prayers recorded in the scriptures. And is noticing as we study his prayers how he prayed for people. For himself, we don't see the Apostle Paul praying for him to get out of prison. He didn't pray to have a stay of execution. The Apostle Paul didn't pr pray for financial support. He did not pray for his chronic ill health. Remember, he had to travel with his own physician just to keep moving. And yet he didn't ask for prayers uh, publicly recorded for his chronic ill health. He did not pray for people that God would prosper their business. He didn't pray specifically to heal their ailments. He didn't pray uh, forward uh, <coughs> for the secular material or the interest of their children. He didn't even, we have recorded necessarily to pray to save their relatives. Now we assume that he prayed for these things privately, but they're not publicly recorded. But the public prayers of the Apostle Paul are still things to study. What did the Apostle Paul pray for in his prayers? What was recorded? 
one of the main things that he prayed for, especially in the book of Colossians, is that he prayed for people to be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. He says, above all those other things, I want everyone to find God's will for themselves and do it. Did you know that you have a God's will in your life? Every single one of you have a purpose. Now we know that there's a general will. For example, it is God's general will. That means God's will for everyone. God desires for everyone to be saved, without a doubt. There's not a single person that God predestined or desired to go to hell. God desires for everyone to come to the place where they receive forgiveness of their sins because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. By the way, if you don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven and you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven, it would be our great privilege to take the Bible and to show you from God's word how you can know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven. We want you to know that because God wants you to know that. We know that God has a general will for every single person to read their Bible. There's not a single person that God doesn't want to be in their Bible. Every single person we could say as a blanket statement is God's will for your life for you to be in your Bible. We could say as a general uh, will, as a general statement that applies to everyone, it is God's will for every single one of you to pray without a doubt. We could tell you from God's word, God's will for every single one of you to be a member of a local Bible preaching church. That is God's will for every single person. There's no exceptions. There's no one that God says, no, I don't want you to be in church. It's God's will for every single one of you to be a member and active inside of a local church. It is God's specific and personal will that they would surrender themselves for God's use. There's not a single one of you in here that God says, no, 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 I'll never use you. Just, you know, don't even try. In fact, your greatest ability is your availability. As long as you make yourself available, God will use you. In fact, someone once said that God is so hard up for laborers, he'll use even you. But God could use every single one of you and has a desire for you to use it. We know that the Bible is a guidebook. God's instructions, God's principles and laws and statutes and commandments given to God to help govern our lives. Nothing we can do will ever counteract the Bible, meaning that anything that God has given us to do will ever counteract the Bible. For example, someone can't ever say, well, it's God's will for me to, instead of going to church, sitting on a tree and just enjoy nature. That's against God's word. That's not God's will for you. God has given us his word to give us an understanding, a guide to know what God's general will is for us. We can never go outside the bounds that God has set for us inside of his word. So that gives us a place to start. It gives us a safety net, lets us know where the borders are at. We understand that we could read God's word and find the general will for all of our life. We could say with assurance that concerning the God, will of God for our lives, that the Bible is the primary source of guidance and nothing tops it. You want to find God's will for your life? Go to the Bible. I was just talking to a preacher um, <laughs> in camp last week and we were just swapping preacher stories as preachers do. And, and I said, one of the common things that happens to me is that I'll have someone that says, preacher, it's... I believe it's God's will for me and my family to go move to this other city. And I'll usually ask him a couple questions. First of all, what church are you going to go there? Well, I don't know, even know if there is a church. 
Interesting. How about this? Have you been in your Bible? No. Well, then how do you know it's God's will? If you haven't been God's will or you haven't been in God's word, let me tell you, you are not going to understand God's will for your life. What most people do is when they try to find God's will is they open up their wallet and turn to page 20. And that tells them what, God's, what they think God's will is for them. But God's will is found out inside of his word. And if you want to have a discernment about God's will, you need to be in God's word. It's interesting that anybody who feels like it's God's will to leave that's not joining the ministry or whatever else, they haven't been in their Bible. It's just kind of an interesting statistic. But God guides us through his word. Nothing tops it. There's nothing we can receive or hear that supersedes the authority of God's word for our lives. Now, that is important to, to understand that God guides us primarily, first of all, through his word. And God doesn't ever tell us to do anything contrary to God's word. Now, <laughs> after that, the Holy Spirit can guide us into the specifics within the confines given to God's word. That God can give someone a specific will of God. So let me give an example. It is God's will for my life to be currently present tense, the pastor of the Riverview Baptist Church. Is that everyone's will or everyone's purpose to be a preacher? No. God puts different people in different places. Praise the Lord for everyone who has a job that God uses in their job to help support a local church or has a job and they're used at that job to witness to others that I will never see. We all have a role to have. God doesn't have a, a purpose for everyone to be a preacher or to be a pastor or to be a missionary to a foreign field. But God wants to use you where you're at. And he has a good and perfect and acceptable will for your life. Now, this is where it becomes important. Because if God has a will for you, you need to find out what the good, perfect, and acceptable will for your life is. The Bible does speak about an individual, personal, specific will for every person. There is a reason why you exist and there is something that God wants you to do with the life and health and strength that you have left. There is purpose of your life. So with that in mind, let's examine as the Apostle Paul speaks about the will of God, speaking to a church that is going to be under attack by a cult. Now the danger is, is that there are going to be some people who are not anchored down in God's will for their life, and they're going to be able to be deceived and drawn away with other doctrine. And when they're drawn away, it weakens the church. It weakens what God wants to get accomplished. So it is going to be important if this church is going to withstand and weather an attack of false doctrine, that it starts off with people knowing what God's will is for their own lives. So what are we supposed to know? What's all concerned with it? Well, if you don't mind, let's look through this passage in the book of Colossians chapter 1. And let's see, as the Apostle Paul has been praying for the church of Colossae, how does his prayers and what is he praying for concerning the will of God for these people's lives as individuals? First of all, we understand that having, the will, the, having knowledge of God's will and wisdom and understanding Having the knowledge of God's will in wisdom 
and understanding. Notice with me in verse number nine. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now, how's he praying for them? To, and to desire that ye may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The word wisdom here carries with the idea of our discerning faculty, our ability to discern. Now, let's define our terms. What's discernment? Discernment is the idea of far-seeing. That it's not just seeing where we're at, but it's seeing where a road takes you, where a path takes you. For example, if someone has starting to believe false doctrine, to be able to see where that path is going to take them what that belief system is going to, it's the idea of discernment. Because I do this action, what is going to be the lasting results? That's called discernment. And we need discernment. The word wisdom here is implying that we have wisdom, that we have discernment to have an understanding of where our path is taking us. The word understanding here relates to our discrimination or the ability to look at things critically, to look at things objectively, and to discern from the true from the false. So if I have understanding, I'm able to look at something and say that's true or that's false based off of what it's going to lead to. Listen, that doctrine is going to hurt you. I'm looking at that doctrine. I'm realizing it critically and I'm examining it and saying where it's going to lead. It's going to hurt you. If you believe in this, it is going to affect your walk with God. If you believe this, it's going to help your walk with God. To be able to examine the truth, to look at it critically because of where it's going to take you, where it's going to go. Does that make sense? That's part of having knowledge and understanding and wisdom of God's will. We need to have wisdom and understanding to rightfully discern God's will for our life. You understand that the choices you make have big consequences. For example, who you marry has big consequences, right? You're kind of stuck with that decision. Don't you want to make sure that you marry right the first time? That's kind of important. And so that's an important idea, finding out and having wisdom. So if I have a person who doesn't want to... Um, doesn't love God, doesn't read their Bible, doesn't want to go to church, and I have some uh, twiddle-pated young girl, I can change him. Is that a lot of wisdom there? No. no. She's not going to change him. And she is going to be hurt by that. You understand? There's wisdom and discernment because of this. I believe it's God's will for me to marry this guy. Well, well this guy doesn't love God. He doesn't want to go to church. He's going to hold you back. Does it make sense? Maybe there's a young man who says, I believe God sent me to preach. But there's this beautiful girl over here, but she doesn't want to go to the mission field. She doesn't want to do anything. She doesn't want to be a preacher's wife. Do you think that's going to be God's will for her to marry? For him to marry her? No. Using wisdom and discernment about God's will. How about where you go to church? Does that matter? Yeah. Absolutely. Are all churches the same? Yeah. No. We need to understand that if I go to this church, what am I going to end up believing? How am I going to end up behaving? How is it going to change me and my family? That matters quite a bit. How about where to work for a living? Is that kind of important? Yeah. I mean, you're kind of have to stuck with that job for a while at least, right? Yeah. Can someone go to a job and be miserable all of their life? Yeah. Can God lead them to what they're supposed to do? Yeah. And if they follow God's leading, will they have exactly what God wants them to have? Yeah. 
Absolutely. You understand the decisions we have, we need to find God's will and we need to have it with wisdom and we need to have it with understanding. That's part of having God's will. And God has a specific will of God for our life. Do you think it matters to God where you work? Do you think it matters to God who you marry? Do you think it matters to God where you go to church? Absolutely. Those things matter because they help bring you to the place where you're usable or not usable to God. In fact, just as a note, let's just look at a couple New Testament epistle passages. Uh, Hold your finger here. We're turning there, but turn with me to 2 Corinthians, just for the fun of it. And look with 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and let's look at verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Everyone look. I want you to see it for yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. The apostle Paul found out God's will for his life and knew it was God's will, not Paul's will. And he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. That's kind of interesting. Notice with me the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter 1, we're just doing a quick sampling. Let's just look at a couple of these books. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Ephesians chapter 1. So if you were in Colossians, you were pretty close. Colossians, Galatians, not Colossians. If you were in Corinthians, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So once again, the apostle Paul is saying, I'm an apostle, not because I wanted to, but because this was God's will for me. Look with me, if you don't mind, Colossians chapter one and verse one, just looking at simply, by the way, there's a lot more of the books that say this. Notice this, Colossians chapter one and verse one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. The Apostle Paul says, listen here, you can have God's will in your life and you can know God's will of your life. And I want you to know God's will for your life with spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding that you can find God's will for yourself. What does God want you to have? And I want you to be filled with the knowledge of it. Paul says, listen, I'm not bragging on myself. I found God's will for my life and it's for me to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I'm obeying it. And you have a will of God. In fact, hold your finger here. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. For those of you who know your pastor well, you know my life verse is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Why is Romans 12, 1 and 2 so important to pastor? Well, let's look for ourselves. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, that ye may are transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, that word prove is good. That means to know with evidence, to have proof of, to that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, these aren't three wills of God. There's not a good will of God, an acceptable will of God, and a perfect will of God. This is the one and the same. That God has a good, perfect, and acceptable will of God for your life. And you can know it. You can have 
evidence of it. You could have proof of it. That's why I love that verse. Because it's not saying, well, you may hope to find God's will. It says here you may prove to find God's will. And you can know it for yourself. Now again, forgive the personal illustration, but I believe that it is God's good, perfect, acceptable will for me to be the pastor of the church of the Riverview Baptist Church. Without, God, without a doubt, God has proven it over and over. Some of you might remember that years ago before I came, I had 12 churches wanted me to be the pastor. How do I sort out which one to be the pastor? And prayed, asked God's will and said, all right, I believe this is what God has for me. Stepped out by faith. And when I got here, God did a couple things to prove that I took the right step. Amen. What I'm trying to say is that there is a perfect and good and acceptable will for your life. And you can know it. Like Paul said, I know I am an apostle of, to the Gentiles by the Lord Jesus Christ. I know it's God's will. I can tell you with assurity, God has proven that I'm supposed to be the pastor of the Riverview Baptist Church for this time, for this place, because of the will of God. And you can find God's will for yourself and you can have knowledge and understanding and wisdom. And God wants you to be filled with the knowledge of it for yourself. We are thankful that Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us how we surrender our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. God, whatever you want to do with me, you're allowed to do. Just show me what to do. Show me the next step and I'll do it. And God will lead us step by step by step by step. And you can find God's will for yourself. John 7, 17. Let me just quote that for you. It is one of my favorite verses. John 7, 17 says, any, if any man will do his will. He can know of the doctrine, whether I speak of God or whether I speak of myself. That's a wonderful verse. That if any man will do his will, any man who will, is willing to do whatever God tells him to do, he can know. I like that word know. I'm an old scientist. That means to know with evidence, to know with proof, to have evidence of. That he may know what God has for them. That I can know it came from God and not from myself. That I'm not a pastor because my mama wanted me to. Or because my daddy pushed me into it. I knew, found out God's will for myself and I just obeyed it. And you can find God's will for yourself. That God wants you to be filled. And I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. With wisdom and understanding. Well, turn back with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Colossians. And let's find how else the Apostle Paul has been praying for the church of Colossae and the folks that are in it concerning God's will. He says, secondly, he wants you to have the knowledge of God's will to walk worthily unto the Lord. To have the knowledge of God's will to walk worthily of the Lord. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9 again. For this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He also wanted to be filled with the knowledge of God's will that they may walk worthily of the Lord unto all pleasing. What does this mean? The word walk found inside of the epistles is used to describe the activities of the Christian life. It refers to the outward life that men see. 
If the outward life is pleasing to God, then it will also be above the criticism of man. And so he says, I want you to have God's will in your outward life too, in your outward walk. That means that there are certain ways that we should walk, certain ways that we talk, certain language that we avoid, certain things that we don't go to on purpose, that we may be pleasing unto the Lord in the way that we walk and the way that we carry ourselves and the activities that we do. Are there certain activities that Christians should not be a part of? Absolutely. Are there certain activities that are not necessarily sinful, but we choose not to do in order to maintain a testimony for the Lord? Yes, absolutely. And we could find out God's will for our life on that. By the way, when we have God's will in our life, we don't have to complain about it. Pastor makes me want or whatever else. Well, instead of pastor, what if you find out God's will? Hey, this is what God has given me to do. And now I'm going to do it because this is what God wants me to do, not because pastor told me to do so. Does that make sense? That we need to find out what God wants us to do so we could walk worthy unto the Lord, unto all pleasing. Step by step, we walk through the day. God, what do you want me to do? God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? And if we stay in God's will right now, we'll be in God's will and what God would have us to do. When we talk about the will of God in our lives, a lot of people go to the future. What does God want me to do in 20 years? What does God want me to do in 10 years? What does God want me to do in five years? What does God want me to do next year? What does God want me to do next week? May I say that the future is none of your business? What you should be concerned on is if I'm in God's will right now. And if I'm in God's will right now, then I could assume that if I continue to follow after him, I'll be in God's will tomorrow. And I'll be in God's will the next day. In the book of Genesis 24, we're not going to turn there, but may I tell you the story that the Abraham had a servant that he sent with a very impossible task. Servant, I want you to go find a wife for my son. Now, Abraham's son was very precious to him. He was the son of promise. Abraham had Isaac when he was 30 years old or when he was 100 years old. And now Isaac is about 40 years old. Okay, well, how do I go find a wife for a 40-year-old? I'm at 40 years old. They're starting to get in the old maid syndrome, right? They're starting to get to the idea of a spinster. What, how do we find this? And I don't want you to bring Isaac with you. So now I got to go find a blind date to marry the kid. That's a big ask. Can you imagine being that servant being told, hey, I want you to go find a wife. You got to go find the right wife, by the way, or you're in trouble. I'm not even part of this decision. I'm not marrying the girl. That's a hard task. So he goes and grabs all of his stuff and heads down to where Abraham told him to find. And, and he happens to find this girl. He says, all right, God, I just want to double check. I'm going to go ask her to, um, to give me some water. And not just water, but water the camels too. I want to see if she's willing to work. Now, Drawing water in those days wasn't like Timmy's well, like in Lassie, that had the little uh, pulley rope. Wells back then in the desert, they had to be dug down deep in the earth, and they would have a walking path that they would have to go down. So they would often carry the buckets on their head and go down. And it would take a lot of work. You'd haul the bucket up. and So the servant came and said, hey, you mind to give me some water? Sure. Oh, by the way, can you water my camels too? By the way, if you're not familiar, camels can drink a lot. That means that she was going to have to go up and down a whole lot of times. 
Now, let's just imagine 21st century. You ask some lady randomly, hey, can you go do all this work for me and my livestock? What kind of answer do you think you would get? (laughs) Yeah, they probably wouldn't go well. By the way, that was probably common 10. So to have a lady who was willing to do this for a stranger and to take care of him and to take care of the camels, that was part of God's leading. I mean, how to find the right girl. Well, that was a good qualification. Later on, she brought the servant back and he talked with her dad and her dad asked a question. How did you get here? How do you know that she's the right one? And the servant says this phrase, I being in the way, God led me. I being in the way, God led me. What that carries with it is that the servant was right in the middle of God's will. And if you could imagine a tidal wave, that if I'm in the middle of this tidal wave, no matter where that tidal wave goes, I'm going to be in the middle of it. I being in the way, God led me. That all I have to worry about is in my God's will right now. And if I'm in God's will right now, I can trust God to bring me exactly where I'm supposed to go tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the next five years and the next decade. I being in the way, God led me. To be in God's will, get in the way. Make sure you're in God's will right here and now. Don't worry about what God has for you in the future. Worry about in mind God's will right now. And God will lead you to the next step and the next step and the next step. And eventually you'll look back and say, look, God proved I was in his good perfect and acceptable will. That gives us hope because a lot of us can get very anxious about what's happening in our future. What if God calls me to preach? What if God calls me to marry a preacher? What if God sends me to a mission field? What if God asks me to do something I can't do right now? And they get so anxious and worried about the future that they neglect the present. I being in the way, God led me. Am I in God's will right now? And if I'm in God's will right now, I can expect God to bring me in God's will tomorrow. I being in the way. That's exactly what the apostle Paul is praying. That ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That your outside steps, that are you in God's will right here and right now. That expression of all pleasing carries with the idea that we're meeting all of his wishes. It's the servant with the spirit just to be pleasing to his master. That I want to be pleasing to him in my walk, my everyday walk. Well, as we examine this some more, what else is the Apostle Paul praying for these people concerning the knowledge of God's will? We see also that the having the knowledge of God's will to be fruitful. He's praying for them that they would be full of the knowledge of God's will for them to be fruitful. Notice with me again in verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Now may I remind you of the law of biogenesis that every good uh, healthy organism reproduces itself. Law of biogenesis, that makes sense? That if we are healthy Christians, we will be bearing fruit. 
if we're not bearing fruit, then we're not healthy Christians. Jesus puts this analogy into practice in John chapter 15, where he says, I'm the vine and ye are the branches. Abide ye in me. That carries the idea that if we're plugged into Christ, then we will bear fruit. Not because of the branches, but because of what we're attached to, which is Christ. Jesus says the same thing about um, to the uh, disciples as he called them. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Notice this. He says, your job is to follow me. John 15, abide in me. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you. Not you make yourselves. I will make you into fishers of men. By the way, if we're not fishing for men, it's evidence that we haven't been made by God. And if we're not uh, fishing for men, it's evidence that we're not following Christ. So many people get so wrapped up on the end results. When God makes it simple, abide in me, follow me. If we follow after Christ, if we abide in Christ, we will bear fruit. That makes it simple. Am I following after Christ? I'm so thankful that God makes the Christian life simple. He is the one who's responsible for the fruit. Our responsibility is to abide in him, to follow after him, that we can have the knowledge of God's will to be fruitful. We also have the knowledge of God's will to increase in the knowledge of God. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Colossians chapter 1. And let's continue in verse 10. That ye may walk worthily of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. What a wonderful promise there. That God wants us to increase in the knowledge of Him. Now may I remind you that the main purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. God wants us to know more about him and he has revealed himself through his word. God also wants us to know him experientially. Meaning that God doesn't want us to know things about him. He wants us to know him. To know him personally. This has always been the heart of God. In fact, if you look at the Bible and look at the two greatest believers of the Old Testament and of the New Testament, that would be Moses and Paul. Both of them had the same exact prayer. Moses in Exodus 33 and the apostle Paul in the book of Philippians had the same prayer. What is the prayer? That I may know him. Now think about this. Both of them were at the height of their ministries. Both of them were at the very top of what God has given them to do. And both of them still said, I want to know God more. I want to know you more. I want to know you personally. You know, part of having God's will is getting to know Christ personally. Getting to know Christ more. That is God's good and perfect and acceptable will for your life. How can I tell if I'm in God's will? Well, do you know more about God than personally this year than what you did last year? Are you growing in your knowledge of Christ? If you are not, then there is something wrong. And may I say that you're also not in God's will? That's a safety measure. Do I know more about Christ? Has Christ showed me more about himself as I labor with him? Remember Jesus said, all ye that are heavy laden, come unto me and I will give thee rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
Where do we learn more about Christ? When we're laboring beside him. When we're working beside him. We learn more about Christ. There's something about laboring together that we learn more about each other. And we learn more about Christ. We should be learning more about him. Are you increasing more of who God is? Do you know more about him? Not just in knowledge, not just in book knowledge, but more about him in experience because you've trusted him more and you labored him more and he showed you more about his goodness and his grace because you needed him because nothing else would suffice. That I may know him. That's the whole goal of the Christian life, by the way. For every one of us to know him more and more and more. We're speaking about having God's good and perfect and acceptable will for our life. That God has a will for you. And the Apostle Paul praying for the church of Colossae. That they would have knowledge of God's will. We see something else here. Having knowledge of God's will and strengthened by his might. Having the knowledge of God's will and strengthened by his might. Notice with me verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. God has all the power of the universe at his disposal. All God's boundless resources are available to us in the spiritual war we're engaged in. God doesn't leave us to achieve things, his work by our own efforts, by our own strength and have a measure of victory in our lives. God wants us to serve him, not in our own strength, but in his strength. You understand none of us can do God's will, but you're saying the whole thing about God's will. I understand none of us can do God's will. Only God can do his own work through us, letting him do his own work. You can't save a single person, but God can. You can't change anyone's life. God can. You can't uh, do a miracle in someone's life. God can. You understand God has so much power and so much strength. And yet we try to do it in our own strength and wonder why we fail. There's a phrase in the book of Galatians says, be not weary in well-doing. That phrase weary in well-doing carries the idea that we try to do it in our own strength. When you try to do God's work in your own strength, you'll find that your strength is not strong. It is not enough. You will fail and you'll quit. It says, <coughs> uh, be not weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That word faint means to quit. The Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs that if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. Yes, because we're not strong enough to stand up against the forces. We're not strong enough to deal with criticism. We're not strong enough to deal with the problems that come. But God is. This, there's a, a, a secular term called burnout. Burnout, burnout, people get burnt out. All that is saying an old way, of, uh, a new way of saying weary and well-doing. We're doing it in our own strength. We're doing it in our own power. It is amazing to watch people quit. They quit the ministry. They quit church. They quit serving God. Why? Because they got to the place where they started doing it in their own strength. By the way, how can you know you start doing it in your own strength? How's your Bible reading? How's your prayer life? 
You want to know if you're doing things in your own strength, look at your prayer life and see how much time you've spent in prayer about that ministry, about that person. You understand the power comes from God. And if we truly believe that, we'd be on our knees more. We'd be praying more. Because we don't have the ability to do it. In fact, the Bible talks about the Apostle Paul is exclaiming that when I am weak, he is strong. Our biggest failures in life is the ones where we think that we're strong enough to do it. What's worse is the worst failures is when we succeed in something outside of God's will. We do it ourselves. We have our own power. We have our own strength. And there are some things that man can do by itself. But we didn't trust God for it at all. And we got what man and man alone could do. Instead of what, getting what God and him alone can do. One of the great secrets of this church. People say, how do you guys do all the things? <laughs> it's not us. We watch God do it. Think about this. Our church here, since I've been here, we've passed out over 70,000 gospel tracts, 30,000 John and Romans. We've supplied paper, five rolls of paper in one year to raise the money up for it. And paper's not cheap, by the way. You guys remember? To help support and send out Bibles. To watch the things that happen. People are scratching their head. Most people around the state think our church is like running 150. Because they say, how do you guys get all this stuff done? <laughs> because we realized it wasn't us. It has to be God and God alone to do. And when God's, we, we let the reins loose and let him do it. God can get all kinds of things accomplished. It has to be God and God alone. And we have to be strengthened by his might. That's part of having the knowledge of the will of God. We understand that having the knowledge of God's will unto all patience. Notice with me verse 11. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering. This idea of patience carries the idea that we're waiting on God. Waiting on God is never wasted time. Waiting on God is the ultimate form of worship. Showing that we trust in him. One of our problems is that we don't have patience. We want things now. We want God to work now. And we're not willing to wait for him to do what he wants to do at his own timing. But to be filled with God's knowledge is to trust that God will get it accomplished when he is ready. Can I trust him? Now we talked about things before. How many young or older teenagers, younger 20s, are impatient about finding a mate. And what happens when they try to take it in their own hands? It doesn't turn out well. How many times someone gets impatient for waiting God for a decision, and so they try to take matters in their own hands? God's not working fast enough. Can we trust him? Can we trust him? There's an idea that with the will of God, that we're willing to wait for him to get it accomplished. If you could forgive the personal illustration, one of the things God has given me to do back in the 1990s was to train men and women for the ministry. My desire is to have a full-blown Bible Institute, Bible college, and to see us actively training men and women all the time, sending people out. I've been waiting for that for a while. Is that a wasted goal? No. Do I still believe that's going to get accomplished? Absolutely. I dream about it. I'm drooling over it. Can't wait to happen. But we have to wait for God's timing. And when God does it, we're going to say, well, look at what God did. I can't get ahead of him. 
But that's my goal. That's my desire. That's the one thing God has clearly given to train men and women for the ministry. Now, I'm satisfied with training people here and doing this and trying to prep up, but it's all leading towards that. But I could wait for God because that's his will and he could do it at his right time. It could be that I'm not prepared. It could be that Green Bay's not prepared. It could be that God is waiting for some land for someone to say, here you go, just take this. Okay, we could trust him. You can trust him to bring it accomplished. We could have knowledge of God's will unto all patience and long suffering. One more thing in here, if you don't mind. It says that we could have the knowledge of God's will with joyfulness. Notice in verse 11 again. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Remember the idea of joy is not a happy face that we have planted in our face. The word joy carries the idea of a peace that passeth all understanding. And that I can serve God with joy, even in the hard times, even in the heartbreaks, because I trust him for him to do his own work, for him to get it accomplished, that I can do it with joy and I could serve God with joy. You understand the ministry and following after God isn't just happy days. Many of you have been saved for a while understand that it's not happy days. You know what life is? Life is a series of hills and valleys, good days, bad days. Life said, uh, Jesus said, I came to give you life, but not just life, life more abundantly, more hills, more valleys, higher highs, lower lows. But through it all, we could still have the joy of the Lord, a peace that passes all understanding. The idea that even in the heartbreaks, God is still good and God is still right. That even in the times that people are against you, God is still good and God is still right. In the times that it feels like things are not going to, that things are going to fail, God is still good and God is still right. When the finances aren't lining up, God is still good and God is still right. When people say, start quitting and abandoning you, God is still good and God is still right because this is God's will. I don't have to matter, uh, sway on it. If people decided to get mad at me and to throw a fit and leave, well, I know that God still has me here and God's still good and God's still right and I don't know what he's doing, but I'm gonna trust him. You know, when you are in the middle of God's will and you have knowledge of God's will, you could also have a peace this is where God has placed me. And even though the circumstances may not be pretty, I can still trust him because I know I'm in God's will. You see, the will of God settles it all. And as the church of Colossae is about ready to go toe to toe with a cult that is going to try to cut down their members, steal them away and destroy their faith. The Apostle Paul says, knowing this is going to happen, what I'm praying for every one of you is for every single one of you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And if you know that it's God's will for you to do what God's given you to do, that you know it's God's will for you to be a part of that church, that you know it's part of God's will for you to be serving in that church, then when those hard times come, you'll still be able to serve with joy. When those hard times come that you don't have to say, well, listen, I'm going to quit. Things just seem to be too bad. Well, you know, it just doesn't seem like things are going to work out. So, you know, I'm just going to go float somewhere else. No, you could stay sure and say, listen, this is what God's given me to do. And I'm in God's will. And I'm going to watch God work. How do we protect our church from the future?
How do we protect our church from falling apart? We need everyone for themselves to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. So let me ask you, dear friend, do you know for sure that you are in God's will right now? Now remember, the Bible is our guide, but God gives us Christians and biblical authority to help guide us. If you don't know, ask questions. There's a safety in a multitude of counselors. Pastor, I'm kind of concerned about this job. What do you think? Be glad to say this is Bible principles. I can't tell you what God's will is, but I can show you Bible principles and let's try to find. Let's look for it. Pastor, are you sure that we're doing right? Yeah. We can find God's will for yourself. You can know without a doubt what God has given you to do. For some people, God has given you, you may not even know it yet, to be a great discipler. For some of you, you may not know it. God's will may be for you to be one of the long-standing Sunday school teachers influencing boys and girls, men and women. For some of you, God may have for you to be one of our great soul winners reaching people with the gospel and seeing them come to church and seeing their lives changed. Some of you, you may be our new bus driver as we're driving people around. For some of you, God has a will for each and every one of you. There's not a single one of you that God doesn't want to use. So the question is, dear friend, are you 100% sure you're in God's will? If not, let me tell you the simple thing to do is to go to God and say, God, show me. God, I surrender myself to you now. God, help me to know that I'm in God's will right now. Are you reading your God's word? When's the last time you read the Bible? Not just one chapter a day, by the way that you read God's word and been faithful in it day after day. How's your prayer life? Are you being obedient to the things that God has told you to do? How's your church attendance? You understand all of those play a part. Are you in God's will right now? If not, dear friend, let me tell you, God has a good and perfect acceptable will for your life. And he wants you to know it. And like the apostle Paul, your pastor has also been praying for you that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.